Welcome to the Hypothalamic Amenorrhea Podcast. I'm Danny Sheriff, your host, certified fertility awareness practitioner, functional nutrition counselor, and founder of the HA Society, and of course, an HA recovery coach who has walked where you currently are walking. This is the place to come if you care about getting your period regularly. This podcast aims to educate, inform, and keep you motivated on your period and HA recovery track. So let's dive in. But last thing, nothing on the show should be taken as medical advice. So please seek the advice of your physician. Beautiful. Hey, are you trying to recover and maybe even fall pregnant naturally? I thought that might be you. And if so, we have created our best ever yet resource for you. Totally free. This is a masterclass. I've called it my masterclass because I have put everything into this, right? This masterclass is designed for you if you have HA or have had HA and are dealing with suboptimal cycles and you're serious about restoring those babies to full optimization and you want to create the ideal foundation for a pregnancy. This is going to be for you. So in this masterclass, I'm going to provide you a lot of things, including a lot of case studies, mine, Ashley's and Mishi's, as well as lots of our past clients and what their challenges were and what they had to do to overcome it. And we cover a really wide variety of types of cases of HA. So everything from primary amenorrhea and missing periods for years and years to short-term amenorrhea and what we did to handle that situation as well. And how long it took these people to go from HA to pregnant with this system and how long it took them to go from HA to ovulating, of course, with this system. So lots of information, lots of case studies, lots of stats. We go through why this is not a weight gain plan and how we actually divide you into phases, the three phases of HA, and determine what your starting point is so that you have a good idea of where you need to start with your actual changes and lifestyle and nutrition changes. We even cover questions like HA and people with a normal BMI and recovery for people who have had HA for too long. There's so much in this 60-minute masterclass. Y'all, I'm impressed. And at the end, I'll also be running you through how to get a free HTMA, hair tissue mineral analysis through us, which is a part of our process for recovery and preconception clients that we're happily going to give you for free 99 As a massive thank you, of course, for joining the masterclass. So go to the hasociety.com forward slash masterclass or head to our website and you'll find a link for it and find when the next available presentation is going to be. That's the hasociety.com forward slash masterclass. Oh, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the HA podcast. It's been a little while since... We really dove in with some recovery stories, as you guys know, um, but I'm extremely excited today to have with us Victoria Myers because she has a story and she's a practitioner. So we've got a bunch of knowledge bombs. We're going to do our best not to go over time, but Victoria owns a virtual private practice and online education center that specializes in empowering women to make peace with their 
with their food, sorry, heal their digestion and regulate their hormones. She's the also the host of the Nourishing Minds podcast, right? Mm-hmm. And I love that podcast. It's been around for actually a while. Yeah, five um, years. Five years. It, it helped me through my recovery. I know it's really valuable. So I definitely want women to know and, and go and listen to that one for their daily dose of um, motivation. And she's a registered dietitian and intuitive eating counselor. So welcome, Victoria. Thank you so much for having me, Danny. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I am pumped to chat all the things we're going to discuss today. Yeah, me too. I'm really excited. But before we do, you know, like let's set some context. I want to know what's your story and what got you here today. Cause I've listened to you. I, I know you have a story, but I probably just didn't scroll back far enough in the podcast or something like that. Yeah. I don't know if I know it. Maybe I do. I want, I want the story. This is such a, a good point. And to be honest, I'm like thinking in my own head, like, gosh, when was the last time I had a conversation about my own story on the podcast. So you're, uh, you're inspiring me. Maybe it's time to do an episode on that on my own show. So, you know, my story is unique and also so incredibly not unique because so many of us women have similar struggles to what I have personally gone through. Um, like so many of those who are probably listening, my struggles actually started first with body image. And I can just remember being like a young girl and always comparing my body to those around me. I was very fixated on magazines and what they were telling us about like what a body should look like. And I just remember like always comparing, always judging my own body from a really, really young age, but that didn't manifest into specifically like altering how I ate until about 16 years old. And gosh, like what a what a pivotal time in your life when you're 16 years old. But in my own story, it was a especially challenging time in my life because my dad actually left for Iraq for two years. He was in the military my whole life and served in um, the Iraqi war during that time frame. So he was gone that time frame. My mom had started graduate school. My, my sister just left for college. So I just felt like really lonely if I'm being honest and out of control because of so many different factors going on in my life. And as a means to try to cope with what felt like was out of control. What did I do? I started to obsess over food in my body. And I'm honestly grateful for this time frame in my life because it's when I discovered like, hey, being a registered dietitian is like a career path. You can do this. Uh, my dream school, which was Clemson University, Go Tigers, had the um, the degree that I needed in order to become a dietitian. So it was like a really cool time in my life. I discovered cooking and I became obsessed with um, the Food Network and watching shows all the time. And also it was because I was obsessing over what is the right way to eat? How can I lose weight? This is really the first time in my life I started to um, like specifically specifically intentionally, intentionally count calories and start to diet. And I did see a lot of weight loss, but that weight loss also came with a lot of emotional turmoil. I mean, people were constantly praising me for losing weight, how I looked. And of course that just manifested into this like obsession with, okay, well, my body is obviously more applauded now. How do I continue this? And that honestly continued past high school into college, which again, is a very challenging time or no, you're on your own for the first time. You're surrounded by other people who also struggle with food and body struggles. It continued as well in the first like three to five years of being a dietitian, because um, I don't know how many dietitians you've had on the podcast, but my goodness, our schooling is like a recipe for orthorexia 
which is the unhealthy obsession with eating healthy. So it was like all these different factors of, Mm -hmm. I really wanted to control my food because I felt out of control in my life. I had never felt good enough in my body. And because I was going to school to be a dietitian and then became a dietitian, I was very much that person who was like fixated on eating perfect, doing everything right, having the body I was supposed to have. Um, And that happened. It was about a 10 year period in total. And for me personally, what happened was after my honeymoon, I kind of woke up from it and was like, what is going on? Like, I cannot keep living this way. This is completely taken over my entire life. Food and body is all that I think about. Um, and from there, I really started that journey to heal my relationship with food and then my body. And then it really honestly manifested itself in a lot of different ways in my personal life of how intuitive eating transformed the way I look at life. Uh, and then after a few years of going through the healing process myself, I started my practice and honestly, the rest is history. (laughs) Amazing. Um, yeah, you, you said a few things. So we're just going to dive right in. Well, first of all, yes, a lot of dietitians um, that have their own story on this show, but also um, a huge amount of our membership base or client bases. We have a, we have like a membership support group um, and we have a client base and we do a lot of like mindset and relationship with food recovery stuff. And unsurprisingly, a lot of people do work in the nutrition space Mm -hmm. and it's like, it's surprising at first, but then it makes a lot of sense when you really think about it. Of it does course, make it's got to draw those people in yeah. or transform those people. Well, we feel like everyone's looking to us in order to tell others how to eat. And that's one of the many, many reasons I love the self-care eating framework of intuitive eating mm-hmm. is that it's all about making you the own expert of your own body. It's not about like me as a dietitian telling you what you're supposed to do with food. Yeah. Which is tough because people really want that, right? Will you make me a meal plan? Will you tell me exactly what to eat? And it's like, well, you think you want that but you don't really want that because you're yes. not going to want to eat what I tell you to eat. It's not going to work that way. Um, well, that's not sustainable in the long term either. Exactly. Like you're just, you're not going to want to do it. <laughs> like there's, It's not going to feel good. It's not going to be fun. It's stressful, the whole thing. So yeah. And um, I think you touched on like a really important piece that I, I love to bring up over and over again, which is that one of the biggest challenges was that like you're getting praise for what you're doing to yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. And which makes it very confusing. I think we even realize that that's exactly what's happening, but we're all more than happy to go down that path because all of the external validation, Mm -hmm. like we just need this external validation. And it's been, um, a recent, I'll be in the, the line at the grocery store. You know, those like the magazines, of course. And do you ever sometimes look at them on the on the cover and you sort of see it for what it is? Like in the moment of this person getting ready for this photo shoot, they're potentially the least healthy they've ever been. Strong chance. But we're looking at it as a pic, like it's being sold to us as a picture of health. So it's a complete lie. Oh, it's a and it's lie. very confusing. And that was a recent moment where I was like, wow, no, like that's why it's so hard for us to, to work against this. Oh yeah. Well, we have all these, like, it's not just messaging from one specific source. It is everywhere around us. I love that. Like, um, saying that people will use that, like we're swimming in a sea of diet culture. Cause I think it's a great yeah. example of like, it really is 
true to the experience of being a human in this world, especially like living in America as both of us do. And it is everywhere we go, but I totally agree, Danny. Anytime I see anything, including a magazine, I'm always thinking, what is the real story behind this picture? <laughs> Not what are you seeing? And I, I think that when you start doing body image work and you start to learn about the unrealistic standards of media portrayals of women, especially you can, you can like really start to like look at things with curiosity instead of like, oh, why don't I look like that? Honestly, one of the first times I woke up to that was not magazines. It was just influencers because I started working with a lot of Instagram influencers because they behind the scenes would be struggling with their relationships with food and body so significantly. They would have HA a lot of the times and not be telling their audience this and so much compassion for them, right? Like there's a lot of reasons why that is, but that person struggling doesn't always share everything that's going on. Sometimes there is a portrayal that they need for their job or for what they're doing for work. And, um, that's when I personally was like, Oh no, you cut out. You went, wait, it might be me. Hello. 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 Okay. okay. Say that again. <laughs> when you personally were like, um, remind, so, I'm sorry. Oh, you're working with influencers. Sorry. I don't know what happened. You're working with influencers and you were seeing these issues show up more and more. And that's when you had a realization and I missed the realization. Yes. So when I started working with influencers was really for me more so than even magazines. The first time I was like, whoa, like what we're seeing is never the actual portrayal of like, what is the realities behind the picture that you're seeing? Right. Cause I started working with influencers and seeing firsthand that while they would be that person sharing their eating behind the scenes, they had HA. So they had a missing period. They'd be struggling significantly in their relationship with food in their bodies and so much compassion for that person struggling. However, I do think it's important to like recognize that a lot of those people, again, you don't know the full picture of what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. So to get a little coaching insight or nugget from you, this is something that I think about a lot um, because it comes up a lot in conversations with people who are, who are struggling the comparison trap, right? Mm -hmm. Seeing people around us. So I, I hear this one a lot, right? There's a, there's someone similar to you in some way. Maybe it's your sister. She's my sister. She's genetically similar to me. Or there's someone, I'm a runner and other girls in my running group don't have this problem. You know, mm -hmm. like there's a strong emphasis on who's similar to me and, and, kind of cherry picking the reasons why our similarities mean that like this isn't really happening to me or I don't really have HA or th there's probably other similar issues that people have this almost like this selective bias but what they're not able to do is see a all the ways that they're different from that person but also like you just don't know the reality and you're not looking at this with uh, with curiosity. You're looking at this through a lens of like, what can I see about this person that solidifies the narrative I'm trying to make in my head, which is denial, if, if any of that makes sense. Just it absolutely makes sense. It's actually making me think of a client I'm working with right now. And we had that exact same conversation last week in our coaching session together, where she is recovering from HA. We've actually gotten two periods back successfully nice. already. And what we've been talking a lot about is like, why did 
Like her, her, um, concerns are why did I have to gain weight in order to get my period back when I see so many other women live in a smaller body and have a menstrual cycle. And what I shared with her and I'll share with everyone listening is that, you know, I think this is where that HA recovery piece is so much more than eating more and exercising less. Like there's so much underneath what it seems like of what you have to do to get your period back. There's working through that comparison and that judgment and that shame that we feel. And what we were able to discover for her was that it, it we like dug into her past a little bit more to understand why she's constantly comparing her body to others. And we discovered like two specific instances of where she'd been said, um, some shaming things about her bodies from others. And, you know, maybe said in innocent ways from others without the recognition of how like comments affect people, but they had a real impact on her from like a really young age. And even to this day where she knows that she shouldn't compare or like, you know, what's best for her body is going to be different from someone else's. She still had those lingering thoughts in the back of her head. So if anyone else is kind of struggling with that comparisonitis, there's often something of a root of where it all stems from and understanding that can really help you have clarity of like, okay, this is why I'm struggling with this. And I can't let this continue to impact my day-to-day choices. I have to show up for myself in the moment, in the present to do what is best for me. Yeah. I love understanding why you're thinking what you're thinking. I do too. It's like that is, <laughs> yes, it is my favorite. It's like, oh, interesting. Why? Like, but why? Yeah, but why? Yeah. Um, you know, phrases like, I just don't think I should ha- have to be this big. Like, interesting. Why? Or I just don't feel like I should have to gain any more weight. Or I just don't think I should have to reduce how much I train. Or, you know, those are just very specific examples to recovery, but it's all around us, right? And we're so blinders on, narrowed in on the goal to be thin or whatever, that we don't even question where the belief is coming from. Mm-hmm. It's a just true. <laughs> like it's just true. And it's very hard for people to break that. I think that core memory work is so crucial. Um, I have like a I'd love to hear if you have a core memory. I certainly have one. Um, I have a few, like most people, where I and and it's funny because they're not they're not always like huge acute moments that no, they were small little small little glimpses of a moment that stick with you. And there's just some that you remember, but there were so many others. And I remember like my grandmother coming over to my house one day. And she was asking me how I get home from school, you know, fair enough. <laughs> and I told her that I walk home from school and she said, oh, that's good. It'll keep you trim. Mm. And I planted a seed in me in the and I remember thinking, oh yeah, cool. And from that day forward, instead of the way I would always be like, oh, you know, I have to walk home and in Australia, it's like so hot. Um, then I just became like pro walking home and I like loved it. And it was, it was like one of my earliest memories of doing something in the pursuit of weight loss. And it's like, it was a very simple split second moment that like planted a very deep, a a root that is now very deep. I'm curious if you have any of those. And I want, I want to talk about it to like inspire people to kind of get thinking about it because I didn't realize it until I started doing core memory work and 
so at first you think I don't have any like traumatic acute memories. Like my life was normal. My parents are still together. No one's like, I barely know anyone that's ever passed away. Yada, yada. You're like, nothing's going on in my life. But when you think, try to think of a core memory and you can't, that's okay. Cause I find when you go about your day, they start to pop up. You Mm -hmm. start you, you have a flash you remember and you're like, oh my gosh, I think that's a core memory. So I want that for people listening. And I'm wondering if you have any to share. Oh, of course. Yeah, I can definitely immediately identify a few. And again, probably can think of them pretty quickly off the top of my head because I do this work for a living. So, so much of you're like, I know exactly what that core memory is. Um, I can think of two from like a really young age that always come up whenever I'm telling my story. And then there are some pretty acute, like bigger picture ones. Like I already you know, mentioned my dad going to Iraq. I also had my parent, my parents uh, get divorced freshman year of college. Like all those little things were more bigger, but the smaller things that maybe as you shared up, people often don't think to question is I remember in gymnastics class, recognizing that my thighs were bigger than some of the other girls. And I just remember like comparing and taking notes and be like, huh, why don't I look like that? Um, and then I also remember doing that at the pool. I remember very specifically the girls that I would compare my body to and just be like, that's interesting. My stomach doesn't look like that. Um, and I'm sure there were specific comments made, never specifically about my body because I did have thin privilege. And I, I think it's important to acknowledge that. And yet I still, with that thin privilege, did often experience comparison in my head of like, I still don't look like that. I still don't have this body. And then as I got older, and especially I've already mentioned that story of when I was 16, I lost a lot of weight pretty quickly. That's when I started to get a lot of praise and validation. I remember so specifically my dance teacher pointing that out to someone be like, oh, Victoria's lost some weight recently. Look at her. And there would be just like consistent little, small little comments like that, that really started to validate internally for me. Weight loss is a good thing. Like you should have been smaller. All those like little thoughts that you had throughout your life of like, why doesn't my body look like that? They were right. You should have been smaller. Right. So it just kind of like solidify that, like part of myself that was already questioning my body to begin with. And that's what, again, started the spiral of disordered habits for at least 10 years. Hey, do you know what your blind spots are? As in, do you know what it is, what the thing is that is holding you back from getting your period back? Look, it could be an absolute plethora cornucopia of things, but in our practice, what we tend, the first place we tend to go is what behaviors and habits do you have around food that you may be still doing? And these are called blind spots because we just don't necessarily always know that they're an unhelpful habit or that it's something that we're doing, whether it be a subconscious or conscious need to control our food or our body, or whether it be something that you've just done for so long that it feels normal and like a preference even. We have created a checklist. It's a three-page checklist that goes through food types, behaviors around food, and mindsets around food. And what you do is you go through the lists and you check off and you see which ones are you doing, whether it be daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and how are they potentially affecting your recovery today? So it's a really simple checklist. It's just three pages. You go through it. There's a very simple scoring system to help you figure out um, how much this may be impacting your recovery. And it's just an insightful thing for you to do to help you reflect and then you can journal about it or you can learn more about it and just start really working at any of the boxes that you checked 
and understanding that they're playing a role in your recovery. So to get the checklist, all you have to do is go to the hasociety.com forward slash blind spot and we'll send it straight through to you. You can print it off and you can check on it every now and then. I always recommend a reflection point every like four to six weeks. How are you going? Are you still checking that behavior off or have you you know, systematically kicked it to the curb. So check it out. It's the hasociety.com forward slash blind spot, and it will be waiting for you there. Incredible. Yes. Those are exactly the kind of thing that you need to see mm-hmm. and not just blindly be like, oh, that horrible memory that happened that was true. You need to now look at it from a, a different curious lens, a different yeah. perspective. Of that like, curiosity. I love that we're using up about that. I love that we're using that word so much. You know, it comes to mind to me as we often tell people to do a body lineage charting, which is where you're like writing out all the ways you've ever been informed about your own body and other people's bodies throughout your lifespan. And the reason that's so powerful, as you can imagine, is like, you can so clearly see when you write it out, like a timeline, like all the ways you've been informed about what your body should look like. And no wonder in the present day, you are struggling so much with all these thoughts that are swirling in your head constantly about food in your body. And I don't do that because to like have people fix it on the past, because I, I don't want to spend right. too much time there, but rather to again, acknowledge like, of course you feel this way. Like, look at what's happened. So we can't change the future and the way you, you treat yourself now and into the future without like acknowledging some of what's happened in the past, which is that core memory you're speaking to. For sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a good segue into, so we we acknowledge you know, things happened and now we're here mm-hmm. and we're aware that we want to change and we want to like get our lives back. What do you think are some of the important things to be doing every day to help actually change and rewrite that narrative? Mm, I love this question. So many thoughts come to mind. So I'm going to try not to like spew all of them at you guys. Um, But the first thing I I immediately thought of is just because you have a thought doesn't make it true. And what Mm. I mean by that is to think that as you work on healing your relationship with food in your body and for everyone here, I'm assuming it so that they can get their periods back and their lives back. You know, for you, you're going to have negative thoughts about your body continue. I personally, as a practitioner, believe it's unrealistic to tell people that they'll never have negative thoughts about their body again. What I try to encourage instead is having, as we've already discussed, curiosity and question those things rather than just to take them on as your truth. Because that's usually what we do, right? Like we hear a thought, we're like, oh shit, my body sucks. I need to go fix it. I need to go count calories again, diet, exercise more, whatever, like the the action you believe you should take to fix the thought. Instead, what I would encourage is thinking just because I have a thought doesn't make it true, nor does it mean it has to be the authority over me. So instead, can I question this thought? Where did I learn this? Why do I feel this way? A simple why works well too. And just start to like question that. And I think over time, what you can do is start to reframe those thoughts. One of my favorite ones is I call it the, butt gratitude reframe. So if you have a thought, like, oh, I hate the way my arms look, you can say, I hate the way my arms thought. And when you hear that thought in your head, you can say, but at least it loves me, allows me to hug the, my loved ones, you know, like, and just adding on. So it's acknowledging that just because you have the thought doesn't make it true. It's learning how to question thoughts when they happen instead of taking them over as authority on you and then learning how to reframe those thoughts. And I do think there's a lot of power to 
affirmations on a daily basis, gratitude writing. Um, I also think there's a lot of power in just consistently doing body respect practices day in and day out. But I think the, the thought process work is probably sometimes the harder aspect that I actually would rather someone like begin with that first. Totally. I like that. And when you are taking care of yourself and like staying on top of these things, it kind of creates momentum Mm -hmm. and allows it to be easier and to build on top of it. And we feel like we're not making progress, but you realize like, look how, look how much quicker, how much faster you're getting out of that spiral now. Like you're able to pull yourself out, throw yourself a life raft. And that's, that's more realistic than being like, I'm going, you're going to be able to never have those thoughts again. It's like, how can you learn? Ashley, my, my coach, coach always says this let like learn to navigate the thoughts not have them navigate you Mm, I love that so much and it's it's going to be so much more helpful to have that type of mindset of like learn how to navigate your thoughts because again like it's unrealistic to say you're never gonna have a negative body thought like maybe if we didn't live in a sea of diet culture that could happen but since it's being bombarded to us on the day-to-day like again it's you un- must be the- resilient yeah you have to be resilient you can't expect for you like to never have these things pop up and be like oh like i i wish i could look like that like of course you're gonna have those thoughts and instead of like beating yourself up which i see a lot of times i see mm. people beating themselves up for having the negative thoughts once they realize that they like shouldn't have them i'm like no like instead like it's okay to have them be compassionate with yourself like that's that inner part of yourself that is always going to have that desire and learn how to like work with it and work against it rather than work for those thoughts yeah yeah it's like anyone doing something against the norm right and it's so funny to me because so many of us pursue weight loss or body composition change yada yada like I whether we realize it or not in the pursuit of being seen being special being like popular known loved like maybe I'll have more friends if you know whatever but all we're actually doing is pursuing fitting in Mm -hmm. and being like normal And it's those of us who actually question things and think about things and try to make change that actually, you know, other people who are thought leaders and get, you know, the satisfaction and quite frankly, like love sometimes that we're actually looking for. Like I can say that no one ever thanked me for trying to lose weight or I never helped anyone change their life while trying to lose weight but stopping that and like living my life the way that I want to and being comfortable you know like spending more energy on other things than on energy trying to lose weight and tracking my macros and yada yada like that has created a much more fulfilling life which is ironic because that's what I was looking for in the first place you know what I mean like it's there's an irony there absolutely I'm like over here nodding my head because I completely relate to that I was so desperate to like yeah have a fulfilled life where I was doing something meaningful and I felt as if it had to be this one specific narrative of what that meant and um 
as we've been talking about, I mean, it's not completely all on us, right? There's a media portrayal of like, Hey, if you're thin, you can have success and happiness and that perfect marriage and perfect friends and all these things. And like, it's funny, as you mentioned, Danny, to look back and like, like I achieved all of that with the exact opposite of what they told me to do that, which is super ironic, but so true to what I've learned. Most people actually experience is when you make peace with food in your body and you actually do the work to heal that relationship with yourself. It opens the door to so many different areas in your life and actually living fulfilled because you're not living in your head so much. Yeah. And I want to like reemphasize what you were saying because, because it is important. You're right. That we should, you know, have compassion for ourselves. It's not our fault. We absolutely were hardcore sold this vision. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you're here and seeing it at all, right? Like you're tuning into this show, you're like looking into these things. It's amazing that you're here. Amazing. Like be proud of yourself. Even if you haven't made it one single change yet, the fact that you are listening and starting to question is like the hardest of all. I really do think that. I think the acknowledgement that you struggle is hands down the hardest part because that's when yes. you like, have these like I remember like being in bed and lying there after our honeymoon and I always remember my honeymoon because I restricted so heavily leading up to my wedding and then I binge ate the entire honeymoon like I have no other memories of my honeymoon other than like binge eating mm. and I remember coming back and being like gosh this is like this sucks oh shit I have a healthy relationship with my body and food choices and that again that is definitely the hardest part but once you do that it just gosh, that door is open. It flies open actually to all the possibilities of what your life can be. And sure, healing and recovery is tough work, but like we're resilient people and we can do hard things as Glennon Doyle always says, love Glennon Doyle so much. And I, I genuinely believe that I think hard things get things that challenge us, things that show us our resilience are the things in life that really matter. And HA recovery, healing your relationship, food in your body is such a great example of that Mm -hmm. yeah it completely redirects the the direction of people's lives it's amazing I yeah I remember like the first time I ever heard the concept of like it was Noelle Tarr of Well-Fed Women and she was saying she said because I had looked into like why is my period missing right and I found on this episode on on it and she had said oh no (laughs) and she had said what like why do you need to lose weight who said it's like who said you have to be thin and I remember just being like what (laughs) that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard like I and I look back at that because it's I was completely brainwashed to to not you know like there was obviously one brain cell open to listening to it but um for the most part, I was just like, no, that's ridiculous. And it kind of made me look back and think that's how people get in cults. Like we look at, we watch cult documentaries and we're like, how are they not seeing this for what this really is? Like that guy has like, we're you're one of 20 wives. Happen. Yeah. With beauty yes. seniors and diet culture and the thin exact same thing. Absolutely. Also Danny, by the way, I love cult documentaries so much. So <laughs> glad you mentioned that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, it, but it is the same thing. Like, I, you're one of 20 wives. Like, how are you not seeing that? But we're going through the exact same thing. And it's not until the first person goes, did you know it's weird to be one of 20 wives? And you're like, no, it's not. 
you speaking to the uh, fundament, fundamentalist Mormon documentary that just came yeah. out? <laughs> yeah, but I feel like it's like a good last week. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> it's fresh in my mind. I'm like, girl, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, so, so does like at least 80% of people listen. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's the same, it's the same like mechanism in our brain. Like you, no one ever told, like you've never heard a different perspective. So you must search for different perspectives and you must reform an opinion based on everything you're hearing versus just the last thing that you heard. Yes. Which also makes me think of like a good point to bring up is like some people listening probably are almost rejecting this idea, right. Or being, being unwilling to truly embrace it yet. And I also just want to validate that that's normal, right. There's definitely going to be a period where you're like, why? And this isn't true. And I remember that happening for a brief moment in my own story. And I like rejected, I like dug in harder to clean eating, feeling like, okay, just one last time. I think that's when I did my last hurrah with dieting was the keto diet, which was like the worst of all of them. And I was like, once I was done with that, I was finally like, okay, I have literally done them all. None of this works. This isn't, this isn't the solution I'm seeking. And what is, is eating. Yeah. But to get here, you have to go through all that stuff, right? So, but I'm grateful because I wouldn't be here <laughs> without that. So good. So good. Okay. I want to be very respectful of your time. So I appreciate you sharing, um, giving some tidbits. I think this is an extremely helpful episode for people. I'm wondering who your um, who listening might be best to come and check out your stuff and work with you if they're interested. All that good stuff. Thanks for asking. So honestly, like everyone who loves this show, if you guys love this show, you're going to love the nourishing women podcast. We touch on HA mm-hmm. quite a bit, but we also talk about digestion and honestly, more than anything, we spend a lot of time talking about how to make peace with food in your body through intuitive eating, which is the self-care eating framework we teach and uh, body image work. We talk a lot about body image because as I was sharing with you, Danny, I am very much not a shallow, like, I don't like shallow conversations. I don't want to talk about the weather. I want to like dig in deep and like immediately talk about your relationship with your body. It's just who I am. And I'm so grateful to have a podcast to be able to like share that with people because I think people get a sense of like who I am as a result of that. Um, but that's the first place I always tell people like, just go to the podcast. It's a great place to get to know us. And if, as you're listening, you resonate with what you're sharing, we have so many different ways to work with people. We actually do have have an HA online course. It's called get your period back playbook. We also have beginner's guide courses to intuitive eating. We have a meal planning guide. We have all these like different tools to utilize, to help you understand, um, not only how to get your period back, but again, how to live a life of food and body peace. Um, and the, the two main things that we do is that we do a lot of one-on-one work. And I say we, because I have a team of dietitians myself, same clients. And then we also have a group coaching program called food and body peace playbook. And that's a great, fit for people who are looking for a community of other people to unlearn, like we've been talking about today and relearn a whole new way of, of living through intuitive eating. So those are our favorite two ways that we really work with people. But like I said, we actually have a variety of different offers and resources just to help any person in any stage that they're at in their own journey. Awesome. Options guys, heaps of options. Yes. At a minimum, Nourishing Minds podcast, Nourishing Minds Nutrition podcast. the, I, this is confusing and we're actually going to change the name as Got a result it. of this because we hear this women. consistently. It's Nourishing Women Podcast, although nourishing I'm changing the, ni- the name to Nourishing Minds, but the practice oh. is called <laughs> Nourishing Minds Nutrition. 
And okay. Confusing. So we, we've, uh, I think at the end of this year or beginning of next year, we're going to change the name. So Got it. Not, okay. when people listen to this in 2023, that's going to be correct. <laughs> I'll put the link in the show notes guys. Yes. <laughs> How about that? And, um, I think it's, it's like rec it's required reading, right? Required listening oh. for, for anyone listening to this show there. It's a great, um, companion. So yes. thank you so much for joining And you guys us. can listen to Danny on my podcast because you were on recently. It was such an incredible conversation about like what ga- weight gain really means in HA recovery. And um, we can put that in the show notes too, because that was, that was an incredible conversation. And I love that you have like a membership where you're helping people because that community aspect to me is one of the most beneficial ones. Yes. You are not alone. You are not alone. You're one of many. Yes. Well, thank you so much. I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Bye. Hey there, it's me, Danny, and I want to tell you about TempDrop as a fertility awareness method tracking option. So many of you guys know that we actually recommend the fertility awareness method both as you're going through recovery and 100% after you have gotten some cycles back and you're starting to move forward for the rest of your reproductive years. So TempDrop itself is a wearable fertility monitor and we love it. It's a wearable device, so you put it around your arm and you can use that instead of taking your temperature manually with a thermometer each morning. So I'm personally a big fan of the manual tracking, all of us at the HA Society are, and that's the method that we use, You know, just using a good old thermometer. We use that with our clients because it's the best way to use it as a diagnostic tool, as a practitioner. And it's also the best way to ensure if you're trying to avoid pregnancy that you don't get pregnant. However, manual temping for many reasons is just not always an option. When you're in the middle of recovery, again, we do recommend manual temping. But once you're cycling, the temp drop is actually a really great hack. So it gives you basically everything you need to effortlessly track your fertility status, like where you are in your monthly cycle. So you wear the temp drop sensor while you're sleeping for accurate basal body temperature readings without the stress of early morning wake-ups. So I personally love this because with a toddler, my wake-up times are all over the place and the occasional sleep disruptions make using an oral thermometer a lot more difficult. So TempDrop's accompanying charting app enables you to track an array of symptoms alongside your basal body temperature. This includes tracking your cervical mucus, if you've been using OPKs, and then it also gives you sleep insights too. So you can combine these fertility signs all in one place, and that will help you identify your fertile window, confirm ovulation, plan for your period, and if you're trying to get pregnant, you know, identify your whether or not you are pregnant. So whether you're trying to conceive or avoiding pregnancy or you want to chart for health reasons like HA recovery, making sure your cycle's not slipping back in the HA direction, TempDrop makes fertility awareness accessible to all women, even if you don't have regular cycles or sleeping patterns. So track your ovulation in real time with the TempDrop And we are lucky enough to have a 15% off code. So if you go to their website, they're usually having a sale, but you can stack this code on top of the existing code. So just go to tempdrop.thehasociety.com and use the code AF 
HA Society. I think too, if you just go to tempdrop.com and, and use um, AFHA Society at the checkout, that will work too. So happy temping and good luck. This episode is brought to you by Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules. Did you know that in terms of nutrient density, beef liver actually blows vegetables and fruits out of the water? If you're a client of mine, you have already been instructed to eat beef liver either fresh or in capsule form. I recommend it for anyone and everyone who is, of course, dealing with amenorrhea and fertility challenges out there, but I may even recommend it for just everyone in general. Get your husbands on it. Get your partners on it. If you have a history of HA and add on top of that, maybe a history of the pill, maybe you've been pregnant before, you know, through treatments or other... Like you've just, your body's been through anything, you know, you're absolutely 100% dealing with a nutrient deficiency of some kind. And while it's true that testing is going to be the best way to understand those exact deficiencies, eating nutrient dense real food is going to be one of the most important next steps that you take with or without testing. So I've been using and recommending Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules for years now. And the capsule form makes it so easy to get your liver in every day. And I appreciate the transparency of this product in particular above others. So in case you're wondering, it's completely natural. This is freeze-dried beef liver in capsules. It's organic. It's made from Australian beef and my favorite of their products is the liver with kelp because of the iodine from the kelp which is important for overall thyroid function which is often low in women with underperforming hormones so rather than eat seaweed snacks every day i get to take this beef liver with the kelp for my iodine so if you're recovering or working on a fertility journey right now do not skimp the nutrient rich source of beef liver get 10% off your order with the HA Society and support your favorite podcast along the way they ship to most countries so you should be covered just go to grasslandnutrition.net and use HA Society just HA Society at the checkout for the 10% off that's grasslandnutrition.net with the code HA Society Thank you so much for listening today, guys. Please subscribe to the podcast. And if you could head to iTunes specifically and leave a rating or review, that would help so much because it makes it easier for other people with HA who are Googling around to find the podcast really easily. So if you do that, you're doing a service to all of the women.